Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, automizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bryce Poon of 24-7 Sports. He talks all things LSU Tigers and SEC football. Bryce, what's up, my man? It's good to see you once again. And you were like the first person, I think, I ran into at SEC Media Day. So, great to see you once again, my man. What's going on? 
Hey, it didn't take long. That's for sure. I think I, I spotted you right, right as we uh, we walked in the building, man. But no, uh, hope you had a good time in Nashville. Love the content that you guys did, especially the the mini vlogs. You gave me some ideas, so I might steal it for yeah. some for some stuff of ours. But hey, enjoyed it, man. And uh, man, college football is almost here. I mean, talking season is just about over. So I think we're all kind of ready to talk about something a little bit different as we get into you know some game recaps, some previews, predictions, stuff like that. And Bryce, to your point, you know, I just saw on Twitter and I actually reposted it, but uh, highlights from day one of fall camp for Vanderbilt. And I, listen, I know it's Vanderbilt, but just seeing college football players in pads, in helmets, getting in practice, you're like, man, we're here. I mean, we made it. Yeah. We made it. Kickoff just around the corner. Fall camp gets going for South Carolina next Friday, I'm sure. When does it get going for LSU? I have to imagine. Next, next Friday week, as well. Have, next Friday. Yeah, next okay, Friday so, as well. So, a lot so, of guys, a lot of teams are starting next Friday, I think. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets going. So, and also, too, I'm glad to have you on, Bryce, because I'm not sure there's anybody that loves uh, NCAA football simulations and NCAA football content more than me than than you, my friend. So, I mean, it's, it's a blast. I mean, it's truly uh, – we love it. Some of the most fun content that <laughs> I know I get to make, I'm sure you get to make as well. I don't know if you saw, by the way, Bryce, our last game, though, we played Dude. Georgia – it was 22 to 22 with five seconds left. Georgia throws a bomb. Carson Beck to Lad McConkey. They score as time expires for South Carolina to lose. I watched the line. I think I tuned into the beginning and I watched the end because I was like, holy cow, like South Carolina's winning this game. Yeah. But then I, I loved it because I think I think I shot a comment in like the NCAA cheese of letting the clock run down. You're like, what are they doing? Like they could have run three more plays. Yeah. And uh man, it's I'll tell you this. I don't know how many how many of your folks, you know, have played the game. But I have a conversation with our folks on our channel over there. I'm like, I love that game so much. It makes me nervous for what can happen with the new game. Like, just, mm. you know, Madden for me is <laughs> ruined. I don't like Madden. It makes me a little bit nervous, but we'll see. Well, the good news is for folks like you and I, Bryce, if the new game sucks, I I'll just turn the PS3 back on. I don't exactly care. Like, hey, you know what? I'm good to go. College football revamp. Y'all keep it coming. Either way, Bryce, we could sit here and talk digital football all day long. Let's talk some real football. Before we get going, though, Bryce, let people know just, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of folks tuned in that aren't familiar with your work, and I'd love to hear as well. So you started out covering Georgia Tech. You're now on the LSU beat. Just give folks an idea, I mean, who you are, your journey, and how you got to this point. Yeah, I'm originally from Columbus, Georgia, which for folks that don't know anything other than Georgia than Atlanta, it's uh, it's essentially an hour and a half south right on that Alabama line. We're actually 40 minutes from Auburn. So we okay. grew up around a lot of Auburn fans. Um, and it was a really cool place to grow up because we didn't have, you know, sports radio in Columbus. So it kind of what got me to start my own show, my own podcast called The Crowded Booth. Uh, it's a play on words just for the sense of I also do a lot of play by play broadcasting. And uh, I actually did a couple South Carolina softball games this past year. So uh, I don't think I told you that. But, yeah, I did a couple South Carolina softball games, uh, talented squad they had. But, you know, did that and just said, hey, there's a need. I got some buddies to do it with, and we've got a fun little crew. We do our show, obviously, in the midst of some of these previews we had you on, I guess now two weeks ago, right before SEC Media Days. But, yeah, you know, just kind of fell in love with just talking sports. And like a lot of people – uh, kind of realize that, uh, you know, you can kind of create your own platform with this, just like you've done, you know, with this. And so you don't need, uh, especially in the day and age of, you know, being able to have all the tools necessary. I mean, look, I've got a, I've got a webcam like you probably do or, or my, or my Mac and I hit you up, make sure what uh, little thing you were using for your mic. And, you know, it's, you can create your own stuff and create your own content. So we've got a nice little following and yeah, I started off just kind of doing the show and uh, then, was a kind of a freelancer for 24-7 sports covering Georgia Tech. 
and the uh, I think I think one of my first stories was the transfer of uh, I guess it's a Marion Brown or Marion Brown uh, mm-hmm. to South Carolina, and so that one was uh, a, a tough one for Tech fans, talented kid <laughs> in his time there. But you know, did that for four years, and then this past January uh, actually moved down to Baton Rouge like two months ago. So way different than kind of the Atlanta, Georgia area that I grew up in. But, man, we're excited. Um, we're excited to be down here, my wife and I. It's a ton of fun. And I have never taken in a game. We were talking about this. I've never taken in a game in Death Valley. Everyone keeps saying it's different than anything you've ever been to. Like, I've been to a decent amount of SEC stadiums, but they said it's just different, especially a night game. So, you know, whether it's Florida that comes there. Um, I'm trying to think about A&M that's going to come there this year. It's going to be a ton of fun, man. But just, you know, bottom line, enjoy talking football, enjoy talking, um, you know, college ball. You grew up in the South. I mean, I'm a big baseball guy, big Braves fan. Uh, you can kind of tell behind me I got some World Series champions. So I've got a master's flag, all that kind of stuff, you know, showing off a little Georgia pride. But, you know, I really enjoy uh, just kind of talking sports and uh, a big reason why we're, uh, why we're doing this today. Well, Bryce, let's definitely talk some football, man. Back to SEC media days, and we're definitely going to get into LSU, but I kind of want to do a run around the SEC with you. Your overall takeaways from SEC media days, you know, I I thought the event was somewhat, I I don't know about subdued. I mean, it was my first one, so for me it was Mm -hmm. electric. It was electric, right? But the more rewarding side of it was getting to meet folks like yourself, others I had done content with, meeting them in person, meeting new people as well and connecting, but – you know, admittedly, I, I did find myself at times being somewhat bored with what some of the head coaches were were having to say. Like, it's one of those things, unless you cover that team and you're, like, really in-depth, the nitty-gritty. And a lot of the time, I'd say most of the time, Bryce, they're not even talking football. It's all about portal. It's all about NIL. It's all about, mm-hmm. you know, the future of college football, which are important things. But, like, like the Lane Kiffin presser, I, I just – I wanted to rip my hair out. I was like, <laughs> listen, I know y'all are trying to get a soundbite, and you did. Congratulations. Yeah. But I'd love to hear about Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders and – and Jackson Dart, I'd love to talk about Quinchon Jukins. I'd love to talk about their defense. Like, So, anyways, the storylines, I feel like it was a lack of storylines. Like, it was very subdued, yeah. right? I, I don't, you know, I don't think Nick Saban really provide us, provided us what we thought we would, like this chip on his shoulder. He's mad at Fine Bomb, was what we heard going in the week. You know, Kirby Smart answering culture questions. There wasn't really much of that at all. I mean, your overall thoughts, uh, Bryce, just on the week that was and you know, what you thought of SEC media days as a whole. Yeah, I've been around media days in general for the past four years, uh, kind of actually, I guess, after COVID now. So it was the ACC media days past couple years, and then obviously it's my first SEC one. You know, over the past couple years, we've had like news break out about, you know, conference realignment, which kind of had an added charge to, I remember, I guess it was two years ago, when the Texas Oklahoma news first broke uh, to join the SEC, like we were at ACC media days. And the big question, and it continues to be for the ACC is, you know, what, what do you do? Like, how do you stay relevant? And so I think the news broke like 20 minutes before the commissioner went up to speak. So there's an electric atmosphere, like, Mm -hmm. and he's going to get some questions about this. Um, But I think, you know, for everything for the SEC media days, I mean, you know, LSU for our job, they went first and it was pretty, you know, we talked about this. It was a business-like approach. And that was kind of like my my thing. It was very much of let's go here. Let's take care of business. Um, We don't really care what other people think about us. We are going to care what worries happens inside these walls. And so, you know, you get your sound bites, and then I was kind of able to just like take it in just like you did up until South Carolina went. And, you know, I I enjoyed the Hugh Freeze. I think that was one that a lot of people were looking for on the Auburn side of things. I had a lot of buddies texting me, you know, from my hometown. We have a lot of Auburn fans, like I said, that grew up in Columbus, Georgia. You know, what are my thoughts on it? I I think 
you know, from all, all things considered, I think he handled it well. I mean, look, it's a matter of time before all these question marks about his character and everything. It's college football. If he wins, no one cares. Like, that's just how it is. So, you know, he, he, he did that, and I enjoyed listening to him. Kirby kind of got a couple of questions uh, in the breakout sessions, got some. But, you know, those questions for the general population, we'll say, of media, you get some, like you said, that are about the culture and how does NIL affect you? And then some that just like, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Kirby or somebody who said, Northwestern, like, how do you feel about that? Or they asked Brian Kelly, and I'm just sitting there like, how is he supposed that, to answer that this lady? Question? That lady was up front. I think she was with the Associated Press. She was asking every head coach that, yeah, every single and, one of them. And so, like, for that, you obviously have an agenda. Like, that's my thing. You obviously right. have an agenda. You're, like, trying to push sure. with this question. But, like, what do you expect these guys to say? So, you know, you talked about uneventful. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get a couple sound bites. You get uh, – to me, the best thing is you get, like, the one-on-one -on -one interviews with the players because that's where you're really going to get some information on how so-and-so looking. Like, that's the kind of questions I asked. I mean, even guys that weren't there. Hey, you know, for LSU, he was my SEC Defensive Player of the Year, Harold Perkins, like a kid that is unbelievable. Yeah. I, I was asking Makai Wingo, I said, you know, what does he look like in year two? Like, how much better has he gotten? So stuff like that's cool. But, you know, overall, I, I would say that it, it, there was a little bit of a lack of juice necessarily. Uh, even last year, I don't remember the timeline, Chris, but was it before or after? And it, it was probably before. The Jimbo versus Saban feud. It was that before. Was like, yeah, I well, that was a that big, was before. That yeah. was a big talking point going into mm -hmm. last year. And so there's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it's crazy to me because we just got done doing a Georgia football preview with, with one of my good friends. And he covers uh, Georgia for On3. And he was talking about just off air. And he wouldn't mind me sharing this. He goes, it's another offseason of – Everyone's talking about everyone else, but a lot like last year, no one's really talking about Georgia. Like, obviously, there's a conversation about the quarterback job, but it's just like, oh, yeah, Georgia's going to be good. But, like, no one's really going in depth to, like, schematically what they have. And so, you know, it's just kind of fun stuff that you get these questions that you're just like, really? Like, you stood up on national television and asked that? And I loved your questions, and I'm not just saying this on your show. Like, I mean, the one you asked to Kelly about Logan Diggs. I mean, that's good stuff that not only helps us in our coverage, but it's like, what you said, it's talking ball. It's talking right. schematics. It's talking how does this guy help your team? Uh, not just general questions about NIL that, you know, a lot of the coaches are like, oh, it's not my expertise. Like, I don't right. I don't know. I can't answer that question. Right. So I do agree with you. A little lack of fireworks in that sense. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You get a good time. And I guess uh, Nashville's not a bad place to spend a couple days either. Not at all. And Bryce, I, you know, it's funny. I think it confirms, though, what I, what I think we probably already knew, but maybe weren't mm -hmm. saying aloud is that, Fans don't care about the off-field stuff, man. They, they just it's, – it's, listen, it's what we have to talk about right now because there's nothing else going on. Yeah. But, I mean, to the point of Kirby, and, I mean, I'm kind of wired the same way, and I'm, I'm absolutely not condoning what's happened in Athens. I mean, two yeah. people died. They've got to fix the whole street racing culture, like whatever culture stuff they have going on. But at the end of the day, we all just care about football. We all just care about on the field. Like, like And especially, like – these diehard fans of these schools, they don't give a damn. They, 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 no. As long as you're winning games, that stuff is a footnote at mm -hmm. best. But, Bryce, let's talk some football. We'll start in the SEC West. I thought it was – by the way, Bryce, before we get there, are you ready to admit that you were one of the folks that voted for Vanderbilt to win the SEC title? 
I had someone text me immediately after that came out, and they were like, they're like, who did this? I was like, I have no idea, but it had to be someone who had a little too much to drink on Broadway. Well, like, and Bryce, I, I need to come clean and say I was not the one that voted for South Carolina. I want, okay. I want to make that because a lot of okay. people would look at me and say it was me. It was not, I can assure you. Um, you. Anyways, Bryce, looking at the SEC West, I thought this was fascinating because, like you mentioned, Brian Kelly goes first. I agree with you. I thought it was a very – business as usual, very confident type of approach. Not like overconfident, but just a very confident bunch. They know they have a good football team. And I figured LSU was going to be the pick in the SEC West. You know, Mm -hmm. for reasons that, number one, I think LSU's loaded. Number two, Alabama has question marks. I mean, you lose Bryce Young. You lose Will Anderson. You you lose Jameer Gibbs. You have a question mark. They don't know who the quarterback is right now. That's the most important position on the field going into kickoff. And yet the media selects Alabama to win the West. And what that tells me, Bryce, the level of respect and the level of, you know, credit given to Nick Saban and what he does and and his legend status, and he is the GOAT, absolutely, it really screams to me the benefit of the doubt that Nick Saban receives because I think everything on paper says LSU's the pick. I know they have to go to Tuscaloosa, but – Bryce, I picked Bama to lose three games. Like I think that's very possible. I'm assuming. I, I don't. I don't want to assume. Who was your pick in the SEC West? And were you surprised that the media pick was Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I picked LSU. Um, and you know, when people asked me about it, I said, "Hey, look, I've only been on the beat for six months, so you can't say I'm a fan. Never, never been to a game. So, right. you know, I picked LSU, and and not for the big reasons that you just stated. I mean, there are question marks, and when you have a guy come in as a transfer, and this was the big telling sign to me, Chris, as as much as we've seen the portal, like when you have a guy coming as a transfer and the two incumbent guys don't immediately enter their name, that's a big sign because that does not scream, this guy's the default number one starter. That means a battle's still happening, even bringing this guy in. Now, I know the relationship between, you know, OC and Tommy Reese and this young man, but I, I just, there's too many question marks, but when you spend enough time around the SEC and you you see the love for Nick Saban and look, it's warranted. Like the guy's done a great job. You cannot do you as much as it's kind of like the Yankees in the baseball. Like you hate the Yankees, but you respect like Jeter and all those guys. Like you respect Nick Saban. Um, you know, I know some Auburn fans don't, and that's fine. But you know, it's one of those things where I wasn't as surprised because I still think this team has a lot of talent. Like I think Alabama defensively is going to be solid. You know, I think they're going to me, they're going to get back to having an offensive line that is going to push people around. They didn't have that last year. That hurt them big time last year. Uh, receivers, you know, I don't know if there's a round one guy in that room right now that we know of we can talk about here in, in July, but there might be when we get to November and December. It's, you know, you were talking earlier before you had me on. A lot of these things, these questions we have, they could be answered mid September, mid October, you know, or it could not be answered at all. So, I don't want to say I was too surprised, but I think the fact that LSU has to go there and, you know, that is a tough place to play. Um, how do they handle the expectations? The biggest question mark for LSU is how do you handle the expectations of you're not surprising anybody this year? Like last year you were, and, and this year, you know, you're not surprising anybody. So what does that look like? Um I can't remember how close the vote was, Chris. I mean, I don't think it was too far off. No. Uh, so it, it seemed like it was – you know, pretty almost dead even with a couple people going to Alabama. But look, I mean, Alabama's going to get the benefit of the doubt until Nick Saban retires. People just have blind faith in him that he could walk out there with a, you know, 4A high school team and somehow figure out how to win three or four games in the SEC. I mean, that's just who he is. 
Now you look at LSU, Bryce, let's stick with them. You know, I think, again, another fascinating topic is I think, you know, it felt like coming in the week, LSU was the favorite, Bama the chip on the shoulder. And I know they still mm -hmm. have it because Georgia's picked to win the SEC. But I left SEC media days feeling like, I actually think it's LSU with the chip on the shoulder because they're the reigning SEC West champs. They're the ones that beat Bama last year, and Bama gets picked to win the West. So, again, thoughts on LSU, year two of Brian Kelly. I mean, what they did in year one was absolutely incredible. Showed some signs of faltering down the stretch, losing mm -hmm. to Texas A&M, looked really sloppy against Arkansas. And, I mean, you know, what Georgia did to them, many teams. They did that to many teams, right? I mean, yeah. that's not surprising, but – Thoughts on LSU? I mean, I, I, you know, breaking down this football team a little bit, like we've mentioned, I think Jaden Daniels is primed to take the next step at quarterback. What you have on the outside of receiver with Wingo, I mean, the offensive line, you return basically everybody. I think Diggs at running back solves a lot of questions there. And then defensively, I mean, you get Mason Smith back, who people are yeah. literally comparing to like a Jalen Carter, right? Like he could be that yeah. type of guy. And then, oh, by the way, Harold Perkins Jr. is – Maybe the best defensive player in all of college football. Secondary might have some questions. They went to the portal there. But, I mean, not a lot of weaknesses on this LSU squad. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the question marks. And, and I think it does start with that secondary. You brought in, you know, if, I, if I'm taking Colorado out of the equation when we talk about transfer portal class because of the amount of numbers they brought in, LSU's got to be up there. And 24-7 sports has them up there. I think they're number two or number three in that range. So, you brought in a lot of faces, but how do those guys gel on the back end? And you're look, you're going to figure out in week one when you play Florida State, really kind of in their own backyard down there in Orlando. And, you know, South Carolina fans are familiar, obviously, with Jaheim Bell. That's going to be a matchup nightmare, I think, for LSU. Where do they use that? They've got some big-bodied receivers. You're going to know week one how that secondary has gelled during the summer and fall camp. Uh, but you mentioned, I mean, there's so many strong suits. Harold Perkins, that guy is going to be a top-ten pick. Like, I mean, unless, God forbid, on knock on wood, something happens, this kid just is is that – he's a freak. He's just that talented. You mentioned Mason Smith, Makai Wingo. I think that has, a you know, a chance to be the best defensive line duo in the SEC if they stay healthy, uh, what they were able to do. Offensively. So, Chris, this is where I sit with this. Logan Diggs was a much more – much bigger pickup than I think LSU fans are willing to admit. Because, look – one thing I've learned is that when you get a program that is, has a proud tradition like LSU, uh, they don't like to admit necessarily when you know they may have a shortcoming or they may have a, a roster spot that's not where it needs to be up to par with the rest of the group. A running back was that. You had a lot of faces, but you just didn't have a guy that you felt like could be a three-down guy, could do some things out of the backfield with the pass, and also run in between the tackles and run some zone stuff outside. I think Diggs fits that mold. He's going to pair up with, obviously, Josh Williams, a great story, a walk-on who really came on down the stretch and had a breakout game against Auburn uh, in LSU's comeback win last year. But it all does hinge on Jane Daniels. And I was talking with one of the guys that covers Florida. And he, he went to Arizona State. And his senior year was Jaden's freshman year there. And I believe it was his freshman or sophomore year where they upset Oregon. And he threw that long, deep pass. And I went back and watched a little bit of that game. And it was, you know, Arizona State knocks Oregon out of playoff conversation. If he can be consistent down the field, consistently explosive, this team's a playoff contender. And not just a playoff contender. Like, they, they might be in the playoff. Mm. Um, you know, if he's not – You've got a guy that's capable. Like, I think it's the best. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts because I know you talked about the quarterback room mm -hmm. for South Carolina. 
especially in the SEC West right now, like I think it's the most comfortable you are with having to play your backup quarterback, maybe in the SEC and maybe in the SEC as a whole. Like I, I don't know how comfortable they are going at South Carolina behind Spencer Rattler and saying there's not a big drop off. But with Garrett Nussmeyer, and you mentioned that Georgia LSU game, I mean, it wasn't against the twos. Now, Georgia was playing a little bit, you know, lighter coverage, but the kid can sling it. And he'd probably be starting, and he got some opportunities to go, you know, in the offseason, the portal, and didn't take them. So I'm with you. I think that this team, um, I think it's going to be a huge season. I think that they have an opportunity to really do some damage. Game one is not make or break against Florida State, it's a tone setter. That's for sure. Because, you know, you can win one game, especially at a conference, mm-hmm. and in the SEC still make the playoff and not really sweat it. Like, as long as you win out, you're going to get there. And then you mentioned last year, and I'll kind of wrap it up with this. I mean, faltering down the stretch was something that they talked about. You know, not having the focus they should have when they went on the road to A&M. And there's there would have been a good argument, Chris, if they would have beat A&M last year and then somehow upset Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make an argument they should have been the first two-loss team in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. With the wins that they had, winning the SEC, beating a Georgia team that really looked invincible all year, uh, beating Alabama, beating Ole Miss, uh, it would have been an interesting conversation. But I think that Brian Kelly has done a great job in kind of turning this program around because one thing I've learned is that as much as everyone loved Coach O down here, he really soured in some people's <laughs> in some people's mouths, uh, you know, uh, towards the end of all this. And so, it, you know, it, it's a, it's an upward trajectory. And I think Kelly handles his business well. At first, it was thought as a safe hire, but this is a guy that I think has him on the right track. Now, Bryce, you look at the rest of the SEC West and oh, Texas A and M. Man, I I feel like an alcohol alcoholic drinking drinking shoe shine. Like I can't I can't get off of Texas A and M. Man, I I told myself I'd never pick him to do well again. And I'm like, I look up and I got them at nine and three and beating Alabama, man. Does, does Texas yeah. A&M, because you look at the roster, man, the way they've recruited, recruiting in a top five clip every year. Like, there's no, that's one of the best rosters in the SEC. So, do you think with the addition of Bobby Petrino that Texas A&M figures it out? Not necessarily wins the West, but makes more noise than they have in a while. Yeah, they're going to be interesting to watch because what's enough for the, you know, the flame not to get turned up on Jimbo's seat, you know? I think that if you ask people outside, like if they sit in that eight to four, nine and three range, mm-hmm. you have to take a 30,000 foot view and say, that's, that's really good from where they were last year. But because of the expectations, is that good enough? I, I don't think they're going to win the sec West, but like you said, this is to me, not just one of the more talented rosters in the sec. You look across the country and, and the amount of five stars, these guys have the amount of uh, just talented guys that they have in certain positions. I mean, that, that defensive line room, when I was looking at the, uh, you know, to vote for the all-SEC teams, I mean, you looked at that and you're like, I was hard-pressed not to put almost every single guy they had in that room who could have a big individual season. And so I, I like the Aggies. I, I do think that – I think they had some addition by subtraction last year. They had some talent leave, and that's what a lot of people are going to tell you on the surface level. Well, you see what they had leave. But they had to do a little cleansing of the program. And look, you know – LSU is one of the guys that picked up Denver Harris, you know, five-star corner. They had to do that. So I like the Aggies, Chris. I think that they can get to that eight, nine win threshold, but Petrino is the key. And as Jimbo really hands off, he gets really defensive about all these type of questions. And it's quite kind of funny, but I think Petrino is a guy that could elevate them. They got to figure out what they got at quarterback. Uh, they got to figure out, you know, consistency and being able to run the football, um, because look, I mean, you play in the SEC West, and you know it's kind of been a, a running joke for the past you know decade or so. 
the SEC West is a different beast. And where you got to go, LSU, Alabama, I mean, look, Auburn is a tough place to play. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, I know you're 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 more bullish on Mississippi State than a lot of people across the country. And we were joking about that. It's not an easy trek. So if they hit that eight or nine win threshold, I think he's safe. That's my personal opinion. Uh, but like I said, I don't have the Aggie polo on, and I'm not one of those big donors writing that big check. Yeah, they win seven or less, Bryce. And I think depending on the uh, the price of oil around Thanksgiving, he, he could be finding his way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As crazy as the buyout is, yeah. hey, $75 million with that oil money, it may not be all that much. Uh, what do you make of the rest of the West, man? Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State, three through seven, really, I think. You include A&M in there because who yeah. knows at this point. Let's not give them the benefit of the doubt. Three through seven could finish in any order. Uh, which of those teams yeah. do you look at and say, just from a 30,000-foot view and based off what you heard at media days and what you know about them, which of those teams would you say is is maybe on the ascent, on the descent? Like, who do you like? Who, do you, who are you buying stock, selling stock on going into 2023? Yeah, I'm buying Ole Miss in the sense of Lane Kiffin just makes me nervous in the sense he's a great offensive mind. And he makes me nervous because you never know what he's going to say. I mean, God I mean, God bless his PR team. That's, that's a nightmare to be a part of. But, you know, he's a great offensive mind. If, if Jackson Dart, if he's the guy and he can even have somewhat of a same type of year, any type of same type of year that Matt Corral had in year two, they're going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Quinshawn Judkins – might be the best back in the country. I mean, that guy is unbelievable. So they've got pieces, and I trust Lane Kiffin more than any of those other coaches that we talked about in that three to seven range to find a way to be explosive offensively. Defense, a whole other question. You know, what does Pete Golding do? It can does he have the pieces to be able to do it? We'll see. Uh, keep going down that line. Mississippi State, you know, I heard you. I heard you, Chris, and what we were talking about at, at Media Days up in Nashville. And I don't want to say you changed my mind completely, but I see where you're coming from. Like, Will Rogers is still a really good quarterback. And he, you know, whether whatever type of scheme they're going to be able to run there and what how if it looks the same or whatever, I don't think that the drop-off 
is going to be as steep as people think it is. Like, I don't think they're going to be like three and nine. I mean, there's, this has still got a lot of talent on this, on this roster. Um, I love Jaquavius Marks as well. Uh, you know, we got to hear from him. He was great. So I like where they are. And how can you not root for Zach Arnett? Like, Mississippi State is going to be a team that if you're a fan of other team and you got to play them and you beat them, you're going to kind of feel bad about it. Like You're going to be like, I'm glad we won, but gosh, I hate that we had to do that to them. So I like them. The biggest wild card for me, though, is um, it's going to be Auburn. I mean, Arkansas's there, Sam Pittman, K.J. Jefferson. That's, that's great. I still think that they're a middle-of-the-road SEC to bottom half SEC team. Um, I, I'm interested in Auburn, Chris, because – I've been around the Auburn program enough to know it can be a really special place. If mm-hmm. you get that place rocking, much like, you know, a Willie B. I mean, if on a, on a Saturday night, it, there's not a better environment in college football when, the, when places like that are rocking. If Hugh Freeze can navigate the non-conference schedule and dominate, I mean, they open up with some really weak competition. If he can do that and get some momentum heading into where they play LSU and they play Georgia – whether they win or lose those games, like if you can make Jordan Hare a house of horrors again and have a great defense, you can do a lot. But they, too, brought in so much of the portal. You know, one of the big talking points has been, well, they essentially brought in a whole new offense. Okay, that could be great, but also that means you've got about 10 to 11 guys that have never played together. And so what does that look like? I like Peyton Thorne. I love Robbie Ashford. Um, I, I think Freeze is the guy for the job. I just don't know where they sit. I'm higher on them. I think that they can go six and six, seven and five, and I think that's perfect. Like year one of what they had, he had to take over. Harson was a nightmare. So this SEC West race is going to be interesting. And of course, Chris, everything we say here could be thrown out the window by like September the 30th. I mean, we could be talking about something completely different, but it's going to be a fun year to watch that side. Uh, you know, for the final time, kind of can you know jockey and beat each other up. And Bryce, to your point about Auburn and and you know. They were my team. I was stock up, stock down. I was stock down on Auburn, not from the sense of that, you know, I think they're going to be a six and six or seven and five team, but a lot of their fans are saying, we're going to win eight. We're going to win nine. Surprise. Yeah. And I yeah. think Hugh Freeze, you very much so heard him at the podium say, we are asking for patience. Like yeah. he mentioned, yeah. I've never come into a season with this many question marks. That was a coach to me that was almost, again, pleading with the Auburn fan base, like, hey, we're kicking ass in recruiting, we're kicking ass in the portal but we're not Georgia yet and we're not Bama and don't expect us to be, which is a fair expectation. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in Auburn, they're kind of known for <laughs> the expectations getting a little out of control. Let's move Bryce to the SEC East. Georgia yeah. obviously is the creme de la creme. They are the pick in the East. They're the pick to win the SEC. If they don't win the SEC, what went wrong for them? And then what do you like about this Georgia team going into the year? Man, you caught me at a perfect time. We just released our Georgia preview this morning, so I'll kind of uh, copy what our guest Palmer Toms of uh, Dogs HQ and On3 said. If Georgia doesn't win the SEC, it's because the new quarterbacks failed miserably. I mean, you're talking about guys that haven't really taken huge, meaningful snaps, and all the upside, the stuff that you're hearing out of camp, spring ball, it looks great in shorts and a T-shirt, but it just doesn't translate. Um, So, you know, that would have to be something that happens to me. And then another thing, I, I think the defense is the defense is gonna be really good. Like Chris, the fronts, the front seven, I was looking at their depth chart yesterday, you know, kind of prepping and, and looking at the roster. They've got like four 
guys with three plus years of experience playing on the defensive line and, and kind of in that outside linebacker position. I mean, they've got guys that have played a lot of ball, but just haven't been the not- notorious names because of the guys they've had the past two years. I mean, go look at the Eagles roster. That's essentially the guys that have been, you know, playing so well. So I think Georgia, it's a leadership thing. They lost, and, and this is this was a great quote from our show. They lost Christopher Smith, that was an all-American safety, kind of a, a guy, the quarterback of the defense. They lost Nolan Smith in the sense of you lost him during the season last year in that Florida game, but you don't have his presence in the locker room. So who steps up as kind of I, you know, if I'm a Georgia player, who steps up as I know what Kirby expects, I know what you know these guys expect out of a, be a Georgia football player. That would be the biggest thing if that doesn't rise to the occasion. Now, look, you're talking about a program that kind of feels like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying those two things are likely, but you know, obviously, you could throw the injury bug in there. But man, you just look at that schedule. I, I don't, I don't see them losing the game. I mean, at Tennessee is going to be the equivalent of what Alabama going there last year was in in, in the type of atmosphere. You mentioned, I mean, Ole Miss comes to Sanford Stadium in November but you're going to kind of know who you are by then. And, I, you know, I tell people all the time, if you feel like you're playing a team with some question marks, you want to play them in like the first three or four games. You don't want to play them in November because either they're already kind of beaten down and you know you're going to beat them or they've, you know, found themselves midway through the year and are playing really good football. So those are kind of a couple of things I think. If Georgia doesn't win, it's going to come down to, you know, the ultimate fail, the quarterback position, the injury bug. And then maybe just a lack of leadership defensively. I don't expect those things to happen, but I think that's what it would take. I'm right there with you, Rice. I mean, they're my SEC champion. I've got them going undefeated. The only two games that really gave me pause when I looked at their schedule was, I think, at Auburn could be tricky. You never know. Jordan Hare, weird things happen. And then that game you mentioned against Tennessee. But I I think Georgia takes care of business. I mean, until until I see differently, man, they're the back-to-back national champions. Like, put some respect on their freaking name. Um, The SEC East price is really similar to the West in the sense. Two through six, I mean, could literally just go any way. I'm confident putting Vandy seven, but if you want any indication that the SEC East after Georgia's wide open, any year you go into where, I mean, I think you could make a case that Vanderbilt won't finish last. There are things you could point to that could be Florida, that could be Missouri, but, you know, talk about the SEC East. We'll get to South Carolina in just a second because I want to hear your perspective on the program, but when you look at the East, you know, one of the big questions, is Tennessee the fourth best team in the SEC with Joe Milton, right? they got a lot to replace, but Josh Heupel's built sort of that reputation of them being electric offensively, and it sounds like they've taken steps forward defensively. You know, there's pressure on Billy Napier in year two. There's pressure on Eli Drinkwitz to get it rolling. And then, of course, there's South Carolina. Also, let's not forget Mark Stoops in Kentucky and what they mm-hmm. add in the portal. i tell you, Bryce, stock up, stock down. They're my stock up team. I mean, when you really yeah. look and you go down the list, and especially offensively what they added, Devin Leary at quarterback, Liam Cohen's back at OC, best group of wide receivers they've had in his tenure there. They added two guys in the offensive line of the portal from Southern Cal and Bama. They added Ray Davis. They added Demi Sumo, mm-hmm. both at running back. Like, I think Kentucky's a team. If that O-line holds together, they could be solid as well. So how do you make sense of the SEC East after Georgia? So I'm going to start from the bottom, and I'll, I'll reveal my ballot. I had Florida yeah. last. Chris, I just – I don't think that they have the talent, you know, that we're used to. You've been in the SEC East. I mean, I'll, I'll surprise people here. I grew up a Georgia fan growing up in the state. I'll just go ahead and tell people that. Tech fans can't stand that. And I see someone down in the comments has alluded to me being a parental figure for them. But, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where I've watched enough of the SEC East. In the back of your mind, Florida has been one of those programs where you're like, 
yeah, they may not be good, but, you know, they're good for seven or eight wins a year. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you can say that confidently this year. Like, I just – their quarterback situation – I mean, look, we all make jokes about the spring game, but, like, Napier has been kind of upfront about it. I don't think they love where they are. And I think a big thing is you can see how much they're pouring into the recruiting cycle of 2024. That is kind of where they're putting their eggs in the basket. I think if you're Napier, you just got to kind of hope to stay above that five-win mark. If you can get to five wins – it's, you're not you're not going to get fired because you've got this class coming in. They're at least going to give you another year, maybe two. Um, so I've got Florida last. I really like Clark Lee. I mean, who doesn't? It's another program that you like. You want to do well. I, I think that you know they showed last year that that's a place where you either have to have a guy like James Franklin, who was a great coach, and I think Lee's a good coach, or a guy that can really get a lot out of not too much. And I think that's what Clark Lee showed us last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I love AJ Swan, the quarter young quarterback they got. He's he's a dynamic playmaker. Um, you know, probably one of the better quarterbacks they've had in the recent five six years. So I've got them kind of sitting in that you know six spot. After that, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think I went from bottom to top. I went Florida seventh, Vanderbilt sixth. I went Missouri, and then. We can talk about Missouri drink, which is he going to have a job after this year? I don't know. But just for the time's sake, when you kind of get to the next three, and I'll say the three under Georgia, anything can happen. I, I agree with you. Tennessee's got a lot to replace. But can South Carolina go there and beat them? You know, that's my question. We're going to obviously know, uh, you know more about that. Can, can the Gamecocks go there and beat them? And then I'm like you. I think I, I, I remember now I went George from top to bottom, Georgia, Kentucky, um, I think Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina. That, that's Kentucky that's kind of where I two. Kentucky is your two. I, I'm high okay. on I'm high on Kentucky in the sense of I like Devin Leary having been around the ACC, watched what he can do, Chris, when he's upright. People, he people, Bryce, to your point, upright. people forget how good he was at NC State. I mean, there was a oh my there gosh. was a Devin Leary for a Heisman campaign going into last year. I I was one of the I'm pretty sure I was one of the tweets <laughs> that said and like you said right before I hopped on, we're not trying to get into propaganda. We're going straight off the facts and the stats. And when you compared his stats in the 2021 season to other guys that were up near the tops, you know, of the quarterback rankings, there's a real there was a real case to say, why can't he do it? Like, why can't he be a part of this conversation? Because I'll tell you, if he was playing for more of a name brand program, he would have gotten that recognition in 2021. So I like Leary. You mentioned the receiver room. Uh, it's the most talented they've had. Stoops is a good coach. Like, I know that South Carolina fans loved going in there and beating them last year. And, you know, there's there's the rivalry and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, the, the banter back and forth. He's got – I mean, he, he's got that program at a spot where he could really just ride this thing out until he either wants to retire or do whatever he wants. I mean, if they're good for at least a, a basement level of seven wins a year, you can have the Kentucky job for your entire life. Um, so, I like Leary. I like the additions they made. I don't think they can go into Athens and beat Georgia, but do I think they could beat Tennessee? If you told me they were playing tomorrow night, I think so. Could they beat South Carolina? I don't – I mean, Chris, you tell me, and we can go into the South Carolina conversation. Very, very really much think. so. It's, it's very much so a swing game. Uh, to call I think it it's a swing. Else, I agree. To call it anything else, I think, is just you've either got garnet and black glasses on or you don't know ball, bottom line. It's a swing yeah. game, as is the South Carolina-Missouri game. That That's how – you know, Bryce, that's how I look at, you know, I would say – three through seven in the West and and two through six in the SEC East, that these are all 50-50 games, man. They, they, yeah. These are all teams that you can look at and say, here are three or four or five reasons why they'll go five and seven or six and six. Here are three or four or five reasons. They'll go nine and three or, God forbid, better. Like, I, I think yeah. 
you know, and that's what happens when you get, you know, you're not an elite like a Georgia and LSU and Alabama where you have a lot of answers to your question marks. There are so many question marks on your football team where it's like, you know, I always phrase it this way, Bryce. Some things will work out better than you expect. Some mm-hmm. things will work out not as you expect. Some things will be right as you expect. It's somewhere in yeah. the middle. So, but which team has more of those question marks work out in their favor? And so, no, I, I think, listen, it's very, very fair to, and Gamecock fans, I mean, I'm, I'm as honest as you'll hear talk about it. Um, they hate to hear me talk about the Kentucky football program, hate to hear me talk yeah. about Mizzou, because it's like Kentucky at one point was looked down upon by South Carolina. It still probably kind of is. But for me personally, Kentucky was a game you could throw in the wind bucket just like Vandy. I mean, you know it as well as I do. You're SEC East guy. That's not Kentucky football anymore, man. They're yeah. just not. Yeah. Like, they're on yeah. the same level as you. Yeah. Missouri, who Gamecock fans 100% Look down on Bryce. I saw a tweet during SEC Media Days week that said, "I and it was from a Gamecock fan, random guy, whatever." Said, "I don't care if Missouri beats us every year; they're not better than us." And I'm like, "Who's going to tell him that's not how football works? That's just not how football works." So, <laughs> I'm like, no, what you're, you're basing you're, your argument you're off? Much, of? <laughs> you're much more on equal footing with Mizzou as well. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I look at those again. Back to your point, Kentucky, I think absolutely is a 50-50 swing game, and um, you know, one certainly that you like South Carolina's chances late in the season at home, but let's call it for what it is last year too, man. I mean, not having to face Will Levis, not having to face a 100% Kentucky team. Hey, that was, that was a, that was an advantage for Carolina. Now it's not something you should apologize for because the Gamecocks were playing, you know, a graduate assistant at quarterback back in 2021 and nobody gave them sympathy, but yes, absolutely. Bryce, I I would label that a swing game. Yeah. Look, and just to kind of talk about South Carolina, if that's where you want to go with it. Yeah. yeah, That that leads us. That's a great segue into, your perception or perspective of the South mm-hmm. Carolina program right now, Shane Beamer overachieved in his first two years. They've done fantastic things. Year three is very interesting. The over-under, Vegas yeah. still doesn't believe, right? Over-under six and a half. The computers hate South Carolina. Projected to win five and a half games. 5.7, whatever FPI, Kelly Ford you want to look at. And the Gamecocks mm-hmm. continue to find ways to win despite, despite, Bryce, let me give you some perspective even more so. Despite, Two years in a row leading the SEC in turnovers and two years in a row finishing outside of the top 100 in rushing offense and rushing defense. My question, Bryce, can South Carolina win despite that for a third straight season? I I just think at some point, be careful. Just be careful. I'm warning you. Be careful. I know we love – I I love Beamer Ball. Beamer Ball to the moon. Yeah. But at some point – having to rely on special teams and being opportunistic defensively and overcoming shooting yourself in the foot, at some point it's going to bite you. Yeah. You want, I'll say this, you want the the opportunities, the, the turnovers, you want those to be a luxury, not a necessity. Because when you're a team that can play solid defensively and we can joke about it. Maybe Jimmy Lindsay leaving, and from what I can tell from South Carolina fans, was a welcome <laughs> sight. You know, yeah, Bla- LSU Blake, fans. Blake Rafino on AYS Sports. I know you, you're familiar with Blake's work. He asked me straight up, and I said, "Man, do, do you want the honest answer, or do you want the answer you think LSU fans want to hear?" He said, "No, I'll be honest." I said, "Hey, when Jimmy Lindsay left, I said, don't let the door hit him on the way out." I, I was more than happy to see Jimmy Lindsay depart. Maybe, maybe it's a Jimmy's and Joe's issue, and we'll find out this year. But True. they couldn't they couldn't stop a nosebleed in his two years as D line coach. So to kind of go back to that, I mean, like I was saying, you want opportunities on special teams and turnovers to be that luxury because if you're relying on it, I agree that you're playing with fire, and eventually you're going to get burnt. 
Like it's only going to be a matter of time before someone comes in that's bigger and badder than you. And let's just call it for what it is. It worked against Clemson. It worked against you know Tennessee, and and they played well. I don't want to not give you know South Carolina credit. You had to play well. You don't just luck into beating teams like that. But you saw when you don't capitalize on those things and you're the one making mistake, what happened against Georgia happens. Like when you play elite teams and you 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 don't dictate errors, you commit them. Man, it's going to be a long day at the office. And so, you know, I think that when I look at South Carolina from an outside perspective, first off, I think Shane Beamer was the uh, – I think he was, you know, the best hire possible when you look back two years ago. For what they needed, You, I don't I, – I don't – and Chris, you would know better during that coaching search. I don't know what the finalists were. I don't remember. But, man, looking back on it, I think as a South Carolina fan, you can say – and I've got, I've got, like I've told you, I've got some some friends that are South Carolina fans. You could say that this was this is what needed to happen. Now here in year three, I think you got to kind of take the the glasses off. And and, and you know, me being on the show, you know, is going to be interesting because I asked the, your fan base take the glasses off and just be a college football fan for a second. When you look at this schedule, what do you what do you expect? Like. I'm looking right now, North Carolina. I, I think it is a, along the lines of like the LSU Florida State game. It is not a make or break football game. It's a tone setter. And you're going to know, you know, right there from the get go. You play Furman, you go Georgia, you go to Mississippi State. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to kind of watch, uh, you know, where they go with this. But when you look at this and you have the reality of you're in the SEC you're not at the spot with your roster where you can go toe-to-toe with Bama, LSU, and Georgia. And like you mentioned, you've already said this, Chris, all these games against kind of the middle of the pack, they're swing games. So what takes you to that next step? And I think Beamer can get there. I think he's done a great job recruiting. Um, I think that, you know, he's making South Carolina fun again. You know, we'll we'll say that. He's making it a fun place to be. And we talked about that on my preview show with you as well. I think that they are in a good spot. I just caution Chris, and I, I, I'll throw it back on you. It's your podcast. I'll throw it back on you here. Hey, I, I want to hear your thoughts. I, I love, you know, listen, you know this already. You're not. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It hurt my feelings though. I, I'm as unbiased a diehard fan as you'll find. So I run towards the realism and the realistic takes versus the I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. That's why again mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people within the fan base they there's too many out there that will tell them what they want to hear and versus here's what's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. You go speak freely, my friend. You are right, in a place right, so- where that is welcome. 
so I, I watched your show uh, with Mark Ryan uh, before I had you on, and uh, you know, y'all talked about the predictions. You both got to the same result, different paths <laughs> to get there. But this is what I asked, and I asked the fan base this too, who's watching and will watch this later and or listen or whatever. If South Carolina goes seven and five this year, is this like how much of the fan base is going to feel like the sky's falling? You know, what I mean? you, you how how much of it is going to feel like that because there is a broad you know spectrum of the national media um i would say myself included if south carolina goes seven and five again i don't feel like they've taken a step back personally i I think that they are right where they're supposed to be when you talk about you know where they are necessarily in the arms race of college football where when you talk about the grand scheme of where south carolina's place is as a college football program Seven and five this year is not a step back. Now, look, I get it. No one wants to go seven and five. You'd love to go 12 and 0, 15 and 0 every single year. But I guess that's my question to you, Chris. I mean, you said it. You've had your predictions. I've seen some of the followers say, you know, what they want as well. But unless this team goes, you know, five and seven or four and eight, I think anything, I think anything about five and seven, you say, you know what? Okay. I mean, six and six is not what you want to go, but it's not the end of the world, in my opinion. It doesn't mean that Beamer is a bad head coach either. I would categorize it this way, Bryce, just to give you my perspective. I think eight and four is the goal matching last mm-hmm. year's win total, and I think that's a successful season. Mm-hmm. Nine and three or above, bro, build a statue of shame beam. It's <laughs> just straight yeah. up. Yeah. Hey, yeah. he yeah. should be in – seriously, though, he should be in the running for coach of the year. He won't get it because probably Kirby gets it, but yeah, that would be an incredible season. I agree with you seven and five. While maybe you're not hitting the goal of eight and four – I think that's a solid campaign, and it depends on how things go. Hey, you go seven and five, and four of those five losses are by a touchdown, and you're hanging mm-hmm. tough with some of those top-tier teams. Well, that's a good season. You made steps four. Six and six, I think, is a disappointment. I, I think it's a mm-hmm. disappointment, I, I would say. Like you, like you said, you don't want to be you know, jumping for joy six and six. Five and seven or worse is a failure. But yeah. to your point, Bryce, I said this today that Shane Beamer was hired. I looked at it this way. First five years of Shane Beamer, and I understand that everything's been accelerated because of the portal, but first five years of Beamer, just make bowl games. Make bowl games and recruit your ass off. That's your only job. Winning whatever, like whether you win six, seven, eight, or nine, you're not going to win the SEC in the first five years. Like, who cares? Like, just win as many as you can and recruit your tail off because that's your number one priority and job is to overhaul the roster and revamp this thing and get it to where Mm -hmm. it needs to be. So, to your point, like, if you win seven versus eight, like it's not like we can say, well, eight's a massive success, but seven's a big step back. Like, I, I don't think we can say that, especially to your point, if you're making more progress in games like the Georgia game where, bro, it was 48 to seven. That game could have been 68 to seven. I mean, yeah. Stetson Bennett was taking selfies with the crowd with 10 minutes left. Arkansas wasn't nowhere near as close as the score indicated. They bullied you. They pushed mm-hmm. you around. Losing 38 to six to Florida losing what was it 23 to 10 or something to, to Missouri and just flat out laying an egg like yeah. if you can eliminate that in such the wide range of results um uh, you know I, I and go seven and five well then I think you had a successful season so yeah. it's all about building the program right now I mean listen you got people out there they're gonna pick nine and three ten and two eleven and one those are your fans and God bless them they're gonna pick that every single year and then there's gonna be some people out there saying four and eight five and seven those are going to be your doom and gloomers. They're going to be there every single year. As you know, Bryce, mm-hmm. we try to be in the middle here. And I think South Carolina, I've picked seven and five. I think they're going to be a lot of what they were last year, just inconsistent. I mean, I which goes for a lot of teams in the SEC. Like when you're yeah. when you got holes in certain places and question marks in certain places, there are going to be certain matchups that 
they don't favor you. Like Mizzou is one, Kentucky is one, where those teams over the years have built up the trenches and South Carolina fell behind. And well, why does Carolina get keep losing to Mizzou and getting beat like a Renan Mules? Because they don't have the bodies up front that Mizzou has had. I mean, that's yeah. that's been the biggest issue. And that it that's all it takes. That's all it you know. That's a, that's why mm-hmm. Georgia wrecks South Carolina because it's a total mismatch in the trenches. But again, seven and five is where I'm at. Seven and five is my prediction. Bryce, you've been an incredible guest. Last thing before I get you out of here, you mentioned again, you're, you're giving a very non-biased objective view, which I love. Your non-biased objective view, how do you view Spencer Rattler? Because we saw him at the end of last year, he was fantastic. First 10 games, he was abysmal. What do you make of him going in this year? I think that, you know, the best way to put it is, I would say, buckle up. Because are you ready to ride the Spencer Rattler roller coaster? I mean, that's that's just my opinion. Um, now, hopefully, they don't run the offense that you put out there, the playbook against North Carolina, because that would be that would be abysmal. What was he like? Twenty eight yards passing. It was awful. Twenty was- yards passing. Yeah, we had to. We scrapped. You see, listen, I, I made the joke, and some Gamecock fans are going to hate me after I say this, but unlike Shane Beamer, it didn't take ten games for me to fire the offensive coordinator. I did that go. for one week. So there you go. All in good fun. All in good fun. Please don't block me. Yeah, so, I mean, you're going to have performances where you see Spencer Rattler and you go, that, that's a first-round pick. Like, you're going to have plays. That, that, that's, that's a day-one guy. And then you're going to have some, and you're going to be like, this guy might not get drafted. And I just think that's where he is at in his career right now. Look, I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, I think that this kid has immense talent. You and I talked about it on my show. I think he's grown up. Um, you know, I watched his interview – I watched some of the stuff from Media Days, and, and I've watched some interviews he's done on different podcasts and everything like that, and I think that you can grow to respect the fact that he has learned from his mistakes personally. Like he, like he understands where he is, and I think coming to South Carolina, no knock against the program, was a humbling experience for him. It, it was, because when you're riding that mountaintop and you're at a program that has had guys that have you know been you know great players uh, with at Oklahoma. I mean, the reason he went to Oklahoma is they had great quarterbacks. I like Spencer Rattler. I hope that he has a good season. I just don't know. I need to see consistency. That that's that's for me. If he is consistent on the field, South Carolina could hit nine wins. I mean, the kid has the talent and the 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 God given ability to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I'm not denying that. It's just can he put it together for a you know consistent basis over a season? Because if he does. There's few guys, and I'll say this, and this might excite the fan base a little bit, and we'll leave it at that. There's few guys in the country, Chris, that can elevate their team well above what they should be performing. And I think Rattler has that potential. If he's consistent, he's a guy that can elevate you well beyond the expectations and maybe what you're really truly capable of. LSU, uh, you know, South Carolina still has some talent, but, you know, uh, Rattler, to me, he's got to show consistency, and I think game one's going to be really fun to watch because if he comes out and that offense is clicking, Buckle up, because that game in Sanford Stadium is going to be fun to watch. Like, I think that's where your hope is. The game against Mississippi State, the game against Tennessee. If he gets the ball rolling early in the season against North Carolina, comes back with, you know, maybe two quarters of of blowout action against Furman, it's going to set the stage for a fun matchup on September the 16th. Bryce Kuhn of 24-7 Sports. Bryce, first thing, it was a pleasure to go on your show. I appreciate you returning the favor. Let's definitely do it more often. Let folks know where they can check out your work. 
Yeah, uh, at Bryce underscore Coon on Twitter. Um, and you can check us out at the Crowded Booth. We talk college football. We talk everything. I know South Carolina's got some Braves fans. We talk about the Atlanta Braves as well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're on the radio throughout the state of Georgia as well. A couple radio stations you can find over on our website, thecrowdedbooth.com. But, Chris, man, I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a ton of fun. It was good to meet you, make this connection. And, uh, you know, it might not have been eventful, but, hey, we got this out of it. And that's all that really matters. Bryce, chop on. That'll be my final words to you. I appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, man. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.